Hey, good morning. morning. Welcome. Welcome to Kesed. If you're new, my name is Danny, and uh, I'm going to share with you today. I'm thankful that you're here. We are closing our fort series. This was uh, one of the only church-wide series we did all year, and uh, it's on friendship, and that's why we have like a child's playset on stage. We actually uh, built something similar in all the children's rooms. Uh, The youth did this, which meets here on Wednesdays, and the young adults, and and, uh, it's been a... The series went somewhere I didn't think it was going to go. I thought it was going to be a tad bit more lighthearted, but it actually ended up being pretty rich with uh, emotion and experience, and I want to appreciate everybody who participated, sent in emails, uh, and built forts. Uh, This this was the last week you could turn in forts. One of the things we did for those, again, if you're visiting, uh, we challenged people in our church to build forts because we used to build forts with our, you know, as kids with our friends. So people built them as families, Grandparents built them with grandkids, neighbors built them together, people at work built them. But uh, every week we would have people send in stuff. And this week we had quite a few because you know that it, uh, well, it's the last one and you guys are all apparently lazy at sending stuff in. So uh, this is the first one. This one's going to take a little bit of context. Uh, This is the blanket fort that these guys built. For those who don't know, uh, we did a breakup Sunday inside this fort series where we told people that we were going to help them break up with friends that were unhealthy or toxic. And uh, we joked, we just joked that wouldn't it be funny if we gave all of our toxic friends red bandanas? That way they could walk around the church and the rest of us would make sure not to make friends with those people when they got broke up with. Uh, These guys decided that uh, they were going to all need to be broken up with. So they sent in that picture, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, This is Kenny Fritzler and group. They built a fort there in their backyard. So that looks quite lovely. Uh, I, I, I enjoy that fort. There's all kinds of blankets. I like that you can see different people's collection of quilts uh, when you start building um, forts with the blankets that you have at home. This is Jeffrey and Jenny Mayer. Uh, I like this picture because not only did they build a fort there in the middle, but you can also see all the different things they are into on the back wall. So uh, that's kind of fun to zoom in on and, and creep people out a little bit. So Uh, This is Lisa Mentor. She says, our friend group has been meeting once a week for a year and a half. Our thought was that we wanted to bring the night sky indoors. What a blessing in our friendship it is to share this together. So that's a picture from inside their fort. This is Allison Railsback. She said, here are some some photos of a fort I made with my dance friends. We had rehearsal on Saturday for the Nutcracker, and while we had a break, we decided to make a fort, and we ended up falling asleep in the fort. It fit all seven of us. So I thought that was super legit. And then lastly, Stephanie and Jesse D said, our evening group made a fort together. Group pick attached along with one of our slackers who was chatting on the phone during the group pick. She says, slacker is used in the utmost respectful and compassionate way. We love Peggy. (laughs) Then she has a morning group. And her morning group made a fort, True Pacific Northwesterners. We're not going to let a little rain stop us from building a fort or going down the slide. This was fun, lots of laughter. And the insurance agent in me wondered if it was a good idea that the church be suggesting this. Ha, 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 only half kidding. <laughs> I can't be responsible for whether or not you get damaged on a, on a wet play structure. Can I, Tom? Can I? <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> Um, lastly, speaking of Tom, uh, Tom Lovelace is our executive pastor, and uh, he is uh, someone who I grew up with, actually. I grew up, he was uh, close with my family, uh, my parents, and my uncle, and so forth. And so I asked Tom if he would please build a fort uh, with his grandkids, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Yes, I'll do it. And, and then I asked the next week, and I didn't get a fort 
image, and I asked the next week, and I asked the next week. It was like four weeks in a row. And uh, finally, I said, Tom, this thing's closing down, and I've told people you're going to build a fort. And he goes, yeah, 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 we're working on something. And then I got a link to a video Thursday, I think it was Thursday afternoon before our Thursday service, um, to something they've been working on for a while that I wasn't aware of. And so uh, I hope you enjoy it. Please watch. All right, kids. Here's your fort. Have fun. There you go. This fort series is killing me. Don't they know it's the moms that always have to clean always. it up? Ah, <laughs> oh, this is lame. I got a better idea. What is it gonna be? Ah, the room. Okay. We should have a boys' room. Okay. Yeah. I'll build a TV. Hey Kested, welcome to our fort. Let me show you around. Welcome to the girls' room full of pink stuff, coloring pages, and dollhouses. Hey Tenley, what are you coloring? Enough of this, come check this out. This is the boys' room full of video games, Nerf Wars, and absolutely no girls allowed. Cheers, boys! Do you hear that music? Let's go check it out. And this last room is where you'll find my grandma and papa on the weekly date night. What's that delicious smell? Nice question. It's a delicious Papa Murphy's pizza baked 425 degrees. Enjoy the world's best pizza. And that's how you build a fort. Hey mom, can you help me clean it up? Let me, let me bring some clarity uh, to a few things. For those who don't know, Tom is a franchise owner in Papa Murphy's Pizza. So uh, uh, when you buy pizza from Papa Murphy's, you also are helping Jesus. So that's important for you to know. <laughs> Apparently. And then second, um, I, I watched this video twice uh, by myself, just watching it and having, I thought it was really interesting and fun. And then my wife watched it and she says, what, what are they coloring? And I didn't know. So I went back and looked. And uh, yep, that's a, that is a picture of me that is, uh, <laughs> um, yep, yep. Uh, just so you know, a couple things. That is, uh, an artist in our church did that for them. It's based on our staff picture. So I want to make sure you knew that I didn't pose for a coloring sheet. Uh, and second, that we don't have those here, okay? That's not a thing we do. We don't have children coloring pictures of their pastor. That's, don't ask for it. It's not going to happen. But, but we are working on something with Pastor Tom's because, you know, what goes around comes around. So we'll have to see how that turns out. So I thought that was great. Thank you for the, the Lovelace family uh, and, uh, and extension for, uh, for doing that with us. The, the whole idea was, was just that we wanted to get you guys to connect, to get you guys to, uh, to, to, to have community and friendship with one another. But one practical question has been asked since we started this series, almost from week one, and that was how are we actually going to connect outside of our, our, the groups we have right now with other members specifically of the church? So we've been trying to answer that question for about six weeks now, and we think we came up with something. We're going to launch something called Meetups 
And uh, I'm going to read the card that they gave me because the meetup team uh, doesn't like it when I explain it differently than how they built it. Meetups are activities that you already enjoy doing, such as hiking, watching football, walking your dog, or crafting. These then will be posted to an online bulletin board where other people at Kesed can go to sign up to join you at your meetup. We had Kip, our pastor of discipleship and community life, film a short video to help explain this even further. I'm going to have you watch this. This video will go on the website. The meetups go live today, right after service, and uh, we are hoping that you guys will participate. Watch and uh, check it out. Hi, Kesed family. My name is Kip, and I'm the pastor of Community Life and Discipleship here at Kesed. I'm excited to share with you about a brand new ministry we're launching called Meetups. Meetups are gatherings held outside our church walls to bring people together to create meaningful friendships around things they love to do. Finding community can sometimes be a challenge. Meetups break the tension between strangers by bringing people together around something they love. Crafting, hiking, fishing, biking, crocheting, baking, cooking, serving at a homeless shelter, and other activities like these. A meetup would be an activity that you enjoy outside of Kesset that you can invite other people in our church to experience with you. They're hosted from initiation to connection by anyone at Kesson. Whether it's hiking, reading, painting, or eating tacos, anyone can host a meetup centered on something they love doing. You can host one by yourself, with a friend, or even as a group. Simply fill out the hosting form, which is available on our website, with the details of your meetup, and our team will be in touch and it will soon be listed for others to join. Meetups will be a place where people are connected, meals are shared, and cities are served. Sign up to join or host a meetup on our church app under events or on our website at kesed.com meetups. So these are uh, something that we saw another church do really well, so we contacted them and they gave us all the back-end information. And it, they said the, the way in which it connected their people was just incredible, but that it really was the responsibility of the people. It's very organic. Uh, it's not driven by staff or pastors or anything like that. It comes from, uh, from within. So I hope that in the midst of uh, this friendship series that you're like, you know, I might take a risk and, and put something out there, something unique. Uh, from, as he said, from, from quilting or crocheting to, uh, you know, maybe you're into to, uh, board games like Pastor Keith. There's all kinds of things that, uh, that, that we could do in order to, uh, to create space to meet, to meet up with new people. So I think it'll be fun, and I hope you guys check it out. Good? Good? Did I, did I do it all? Yeah. My goodness, it's just a, so much. So much. Uh, let's talk about Jesus now, shall we? <laughs> Um, let, here's how we're going to close this series, and I think it's going to be really important. Uh, we're going to close this series with this, that uh, one of the most exciting things that we can do as people is, is be invited to community and connection with others. This is one of the most important things that, that we are supposed to do as a church. And so we are going to close our series through teaching about a fort of invitation. That's what the theme is going to be for the next uh, few minutes while I talk with you. Now, to set up what this fort of invitation looks like, I'm going to first describe, uh, well, how we normally think about God and Christ and being invited into relationship with him. One of the most common descriptions would be probably that of light. 1 John 1.5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness 
at all. This is how we experience being invited by Christ, the church teaches. And I think it's true. There's lots of verses that back this up. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I've always enjoyed this description of Christ inviting me into relationship as if there's darkness that I'm struggling with and this light appears and I see that it's Jesus and so I can, can walk or live my life towards him. These usually expand into big kind of romantic pictures like Jesus is a lighthouse and I'm living in a storm and you end up with stuff like this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Or this. Thou art my rock and my fortress, therefore thy namesake lead me and guide me. I could give you 50 of these just lighthouse illustrations around what it's like to be invited into relationship with Jesus. And again, it's all true. I believe Christ is still very much inviting us into relationship this way. Isaiah 43, 2 backs up this kind of thinking. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Or how about Psalm 18.2? The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation and stronghold. Now, I'm pushing through these verses on purpose, which, by the way, all of the verses, all of my notes, everything that, that you see here and that's on here is on the app. You can, you can go to the specific weekend, and all of the notes are there if you end up trying to kind of keep track of all the verses. But here's the reason that I want to push through these. First, again, to validate. I want to bring as much clarity as I possibly can into the perspective about being invited into relationship by God and that he is light. Jesus Christ, the creator of all, wants to be in relationship with you no matter the storm, period. It's all throughout the book. He's after connection with you. He wants to build a fort of invitation with you and with me no matter the storms that you're in. And that should encourage us. And, frankly, I think the church has overleveraged it a lot. And, frankly... I think that when you start to dismantle it just a little bit, not the whole thing, again, I value, but just a little bit, you start to see why so many people feel let down by God. Allow me to explain. Let's be real just for a second. If Jesus is the light, which he is, and we live in storms, and so his lighthouse presence is, is important so that I don't smash my life against the consequences of my choices, against the shore of the distractions that, 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 that pull me into situations and circumstances I shouldn't be in, can we be honest about what storm life with Jesus often feels like? It's not romantic to be lost in a storm, to be drowning in, the, in your consequences, and then experience the lighthouse or presence of God. It doesn't feel romantic at all. But this is what we leverage because this is what we think people want to hear in order to be invited into relationship with Jesus. And so we show beautiful pictures like this one. This is from a recent baptism. Look how good I look in this picture. Look how focused I am. This is beautiful, right? I mean, I mean, it's epic. It's important. I love Kiera. This is her and her husband getting baptized. And this is a, an example of what we as the church highlight to say, this is what following Jesus is like. But I know Kiera and I know her story. And I'm here to tell you, there was a storm before this picture that brewed, not romantic, difficult, authentic human. 
How about this one? This is my mom and my brother. That'll pull your heartstrings right there, right? Like, like this is deep and rich and powerful, and it's all true and it's all valid. But do you know what my brother had to go through in order to get to this picture? <laughs> Hell is what he went through. This kind of stuff is so special, but sometimes you just need a raw and real example of what following Jesus is like. And here in just a second, I'm going to give you one. We did a worship in the round here uh, a little while ago. We're going to do these, I think, once a quarter because they were so powerful. We pulled all the, uh, the, music it, the music and musicians, all the band, put them in the floor in the center. We circled all the chairs. We preached from the center. We did worship at the center. Nobody was elevated. It was just this beautiful experience. We had these stations. We had a, a, like a communion station, I think, and like a prayer wall. And then we had a baptismal setup. And nobody was allowed to sign up for the baptismal. It was like, hey, if you feel led... During that night to get baptized, we'll have a pastor here. It was going to be Pastor Chris because I was speaking. Uh, come up and baptize you. And it was a war in the room. I mean, people were worshiping. People were weeping. People were like stepping up and then going, I can't do it. And then going, you know what, I'm doing it. Right in their clothes. <laughs> and then into that pool stepped a woman who is here in the room right now. So you have the privilege of experiencing this moment with her actually here. I have permission to share this photo because I believe... This is the most authentic example of what it's like to actually follow Jesus that I've ever seen. It came across in our Flickr reel, and they said, you can't use it. And I said, you're wrong and not in charge. So, <laughs> so I decided to show it to all of you, including everybody online, because I think it's that raw. Are you ready? Here it is. Let's zoom in a little closer because I'm pretty sure she's being choked for Jesus. That's what's happening here. Okay, you can zoom back out now. I just wanted to show you guys. This is Pastor Chris who was with us on Thursday. I told him, I taught you better than this. You don't grab people by the neck when you baptize them. I don't understand. I also asked him if he was going to use this picture at his service today at 10 o'clock. He said, absolutely not. I said, that's because you cannot face your sins. That's a, whatever that is. What is that? I don't even know what that is. But I saw the picture. Kinsey's here, by the way. Kinsey, thank you for letting us show this picture. I think you're, I, this is, yeah. This to me is the most authentic example of what it's like to actually be seen by the light of Jesus in the midst of your storm. It feels like, <laughs> that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel, do you have a side-by-side -side between uh, my beautiful pic? Yeah. It doesn't feel like Kira. Kira's is beautiful. <laughs> Look at the differences, though. I just want to soak it up for a second. Oh. <laughs> but listen, Kira's is beautiful. And Kira's is, a, is, is, what we, is what we front, right? It's what we say. And it's not wrong. It's just not really common. Kinsey's is much more my story. And much more most of yours. That's what it feels like to follow Jesus quite often. And that's what I want to talk about today. For example, have you ever really thought for a second about how this light metaphor plays out in real life? Let's talk about it practically. We are born and we go through life and every single person in this room faces storms. Some of those storms are, I'll put this on the screen, they come upon us because of the choices we make. 
We seek our own pride. We seek our own uh, power. We seek our own praise. And so we make choices that benefit us, that cause waves in relationships, that cause distance, that cause hurricane-level consequences many times because we made choices. And sometimes that's not at all where the storms come from. Instead, other storms are because of the choices other people make for us. Perhaps when we're children, perhaps when we're adults, abuse is experienced, trauma is experienced, neglect is experienced, and suddenly we are reeling in the storms of someone else's choices and how they affect our lives. And lastly, sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's both the choices we make and the choices that have been made for us. I think the clearest example of a woman facing her storms with Jesus, and I would say she's facing both at the same time, would be the woman at the well or the woman of Samaria. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be. The story goes that Jesus enters Samaria. Culturally, it's important for you to understand that Samaria is a land of unclean people according to Jewish culture at the time. He's there by himself because his disciples have gone off into town to get food. He enters Samaria and he sits down by a well. And a Samaritan woman arrives to get water at this well. But scripture says she arrives at the sixth hour, which is a time out of sync with those in her community. She doesn't want to be seen by them because she's already been known by them. And so she is running from them. This is the conversation that happens next. We'll pick it up in verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. It's really important we don't just move on to, Jesus said, give me a drink. There was an awkward pause. There was the woman thinking, should I leave? There was probably Jesus not leaving, which is how he should have done because he's a clearly rabbi and she's clearly a woman coming out of sync from her community. But I bet Jesus just sits there and awkwardly watches as she gets closer. Eventually, he says, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this living water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this woman ponders and she sits and then she takes a risk. And she says, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus invites her into relationship right in the midst of her storm. And the first thing she does is the same thing we do. She says, hey, help me stay as I am. Just change a little bit of my circumstances so that my life's easier. I don't want to come here and get water anymore. It's it's humiliating. It's cumbersome. I'm not part of the women who who sing on their way there and sing on their way back. I'm not part of the men who, who bring the livestock. I'm not part of any of the community. I come by myself during the hottest hour of the day because of the consequences of my choices. So make my choices and my life different. 
I want something that's easier. This is oftentimes how we approach Jesus when he invites us to follow him. We're like, ah, I just want you to change my circumstances. But Jesus is interested in meeting a very different need. And so Jesus leans in and just pushes her out further into the waves. Jesus does that, by the way. Everybody thinks Jesus is all passive and calm. And I think half the time Jesus is, is <laughs> doing what he did to Kinsey right there. That's what he's doing. Look what he says to her. He says to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, uh, I have no husband, which is true, sort of. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I, I can't stand whenever I hear people teach scripture or people study scripture when they just don't let the human being part of the scripture sort of overflow. This conversation would have been humiliating and exhausting and incredibly uh, intimate. Jesus literally says, bring your husband. And she doesn't lie. She just doesn't tell the whole truth. I don't have a husband. What she should have said is, I'm in between husbands right now. That's what she should have said. But she doesn't because we never do, right? We never bring our like, I'm in between addictions right now, God. I'm in between ways to cope. I don't cope. What do you mean you don't cope? You've been coping for five years. You just got bored with that one and you're looking for a new one. I don't have any addictions yet. And Jesus is like, you're right. And I love it because it's so fatherly. It's so, it's so connected. He's like, you're right. You aren't married, but you've been married a bit. And you're with someone right now that you're not married to. And this woman, I believe, pauses and sees in his face, not judgment, not hatred, not disgust. She sees love enough in his eyes that she just owns it all. You, 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 yeah, you got me. You're a prophet. And I'm nothing. Isn't it amazing how she proclaims what Jesus is? and doesn't really even have any definition for who she is because the world has already told her she's trash. The world's really good at that, by the way. Really, really good at telling you you're trash. Jesus is really good at pointing out what the world says and offering you something different. Quick question, because we're still on this theme of light. I wanted to prove to you that the lighthouse imagery is beautiful and romantic, but it's, it's not really the most, I think, authentic or common. When Jesus pointed out her choices, how do you think she felt for the light of Jesus to shine into her life right then? Do you think she felt warm and fuzzy? Do you think she heard a little bit of music? Do you think she was like, oh, it's the Messiah? Or do you think she was like, oh my. I mean, this is somebody like going through the drawers at your house when you're not home. <laughs> yeah, that lady over there, yeah, you know, she knows what I'm talking about. She's like, oh, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Yeah, this is like somebody going through your emotional drawers, right? Somebody who's like, I just went into your bedroom and went through everything and mm, whoa. This is like when you grab somebody's phone and go to look for a picture. Have you ever seen people's faces? They're just like, ah, ah. It's, a, it's, it's so, right? This is what Jesus does to her soul. He's like, hey, give me your phone and your drawer. Whoa. So every time we tell Jesus, or, or sell Jesus, that's a better word, sell Jesus. Well, he's a lighthouse in the storm, that's who he is. You should be like, oh my, oh, he is? That's how it works? 
Let me show you a picture of Kinsey one more time. That's the face of a woman who knows, people. This is somebody who had her phone gone through. Her drawers dumped out. Kinsey, I'm right, aren't I? Yeah, you know. You're just laying over in the seat. That's fine. Holy Spirit's using you. Holy Spirit, right? It's amazing. This is what it looks like. This is what this woman is experiencing. Because it's what ultimately, if we were honest, we're all experiencing. It reminds me of that passage in Isaiah, another really romantic passage that bothers me when people don't let sit all-encompassing. Isaiah 118, one of my favorite verses. It's God talking. He says, come now, let us reason together. Then he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. I love this passage, but most of the time we as Christians only tell people our wool and snow stories. Well, I follow Jesus. I mean, snow and wool all the time, every day. How's your marriage? Full of snow and wool. So white. So, so pure. The reality is the story starts off with crimson and scarlet. God is saying, hey, real quick, though you're crimson, though you're scarlet, this is what I can do. But we never tell anybody our crimson stories. We never tell anybody our scarlet stories. We tell everybody about the lighthouse. We just leave out the storm. And so people get involved with Jesus and they get on, they like, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to go get some water from the well. I'm going to get some community. I'm going to get some connection. And you have worked with them for years or you live with them in the house and you've told them nothing but wool and snow stories. And they walk in and God's like, that's cool. Crimson. And it's not evil, right? It's eyes of love. It's like, hey, that's destroying you. That's hurting you. Be like if someone walked in the church right now with their leg on fire. I don't think you're going to be like, nice to meet you. Hey, uh, how, you know, what's this about? You're going to tackle them. You're going you're gonna to pat them down. You're going to get people to help. That's how God approaches people who are destroying their lives with choices beyond their ability to swim out of. That's what he does. And we as Christians are supposed to recognize this and lean into it. And you're going to see it right here in this space. It is the same here. This is what the light of Christ is doing in this woman's life. He's calling out her crimson. He's calling out her scarlet. He's exposing the stains and the soil. And it, it doesn't feel good. But this is what the light of Jesus does. It exposes that the woman's drowning so she'll stop swimming like she is and reach for him. She has made wrong choice after wrong choice after wrong choice, and everyone apparently in town knows it. That's why she's avoiding common watery times. It's important to know this about you and about the people in our lives that God has called us to be in relationship with. No one is only the choices we can observe them making. Stop treating them that way. They're not just the choices they're making. There's a very strong chance, for example, that this woman, the woman at the well, that her choices are the result of both her own poor decisions, but there's a really, really strong chance that they are the result of decisions that other people have made for her. We should try and remember that. I'll put this on the screen. People don't often choose intense levels of destructive behavior just because they're more broken than you. Instead, choices have happened. I'm guessing this is just Danny, so this is extra biblical. This is just for you to ponder and something that, that I believe based on my experience that it's very likely this woman has incredible abuse somewhere back in her story. 
If I had to guess, I would think she was probably sexually abused somewhere along the way. And so she is reenacting and reenacting and reenacting the trauma that happened to her moving from relationship to relationship to relationship. You may ask, Danny, how could you teach such a thing? And I'd be like, because I'm in charge. And then I would also tell you some really solid reasons. First, first, because of a whole lot of my own therapy work and seeing how I've coped with trauma in my own life and the places that I've continued to reenact that until I could sit with someone and point that out to me, I think I'd probably still be reenacting right now. Second, I blame you. Because of what I've learned pastoring alongside you, going through your trauma for the last 24 years, vocationally, I have watched people repeat this pattern over and over and over. But ultimately, the reason I believe this about this woman is because I was raised by a parent just like her. My late father who goes by the name Danny, by the way, or did. My dad was married to my mom for 20 years when suddenly he decided to leave and start a new life. There were four beautiful kids that came out of that union. And yes, I'm one of them. Over the next 20 years and before his death, my dad would be married an additional 10 times. I remember when he beat Elizabeth Taylor's record of eight, I took him to dinner to celebrate I thought it was funny. He didn't think it was that funny, but I, I thought it was funny. I'm like, congratulations, Dad. Number nine, you got her. You see, my late father reminds me a lot of this woman. And like this woman, I wouldn't find out till just a few years before his death how extensive his own childhood physical and sexual abuse was with a neighbor girl down the street from the time he was 7 to 12. And so in response... My father's life was filled with one wrong choice after another, and everybody in town knew it. As I've shared before, in many ways, this made my dad both a scoundrel and a saint. He loved what I did for work. He loved that I followed Jesus. He believed in Jesus. But every time the storm would get too high, he would go tumbling by my life, screaming, don't live like me, Danny. Follow Jesus. He knows the way. But he would never stop and do the work and evaluate why he continued to seek out more and more dark clouds. This is where my father and this woman are different. For this woman didn't just know that Jesus was the way. She accepted his invitation to truly follow. Jesus goes on to share with her. This is what he says, verse 23. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman says to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus looks at her. I like to imagine it's the first time he stands up and he gets really, really close and he moves the water jar and maybe he replaces his hands with what she used to hold. And he says to her, I who speak to you am he. And her eyes just run full of tears. It says immediately the next verse, look at it. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. This woman had decided that Jesus was what she had always been searching for and so willingly received his invitation. 
She clinged to what he told her. In a very practical sense, she has been seen by Christ and so has seen Christ in return. No, by the way, her situation isn't better overnight, neither will yours be. But suddenly there in her story is a rock and refuge for her life to cling to. This is what the loving light of Christ does, and this is what would change her everything. And this is the message we're supposed to still be sharing, especially those in the room who already know who Jesus is, who've already had your well experience. You see, the Bible ties us as Christ followers, us in this room, into this very imagery. Look at Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. Not me, by the way, you. Not pastors, not singers, not authors, you. Christ's followers are light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You and I are called to be lights of this world, shining wherever we are. Look how this truth plays out back in the woman at the well's hometown. It says this. This is how the passage ends, verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Notice that. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me all that I ever did. Remember what she did? It's all scarlet, folks. It's all crimson. He told me all that I ever did. He saw me for who I was and loved me anyways. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And then look what happens. It no longer becomes about her. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. What is happening here? She should be filled with shame because of the choices she made. Instead, her transformation was so bright, so bright that she was like Jesus to them. And so driving her back into the storm that was her life to invite everyone to meet the one who changed it all. Do you not see to be a light of the world means you embrace your scarlet and your crimson and the storm and the waves and you let everybody see it. By the way, most people know it anyways after they become friends with you. That's why you don't have that many friends in the first place. But when you, once you own it, that's a side note, once you own it, all of a sudden you get involved with other people who are also storm survivors. Other people who understand the color scarlet. Other people who get crimson. You can still talk about white and wool. I love white and wool. I love beautiful baptism pictures. But I just don't think it's how Jesus invites us into the fort. Because nobody comes just butterfly swimming in. Hey, Jesus. Decided to be here. Heard you had a little island of relationship out here. Just wondered. Do you have a oh, quick spiritual towel? Thanks so much. God, I'm so excited. Nobody finds Jesus that way. Stop telling everybody that's how you found him. It's not true. Church history, if you're a church history buff, teaches, by the way, that outside Jerusalem after Christ is, uh, is resurrected and his ministry starts, outside Jerusalem, this region of Samaria would become the main epicenter for Christianity in the whole world. And many believe that it is likely due to this very woman relentlessly sharing her faith. As a matter of fact, the Catholic Church even made her a saint. She is known as Saint Fotini, the luminous one, because she's bright. She is bright. 
like you and I are supposed to be bright. And like this woman, we are both invited and called to invite. Let's get personal for a second as we wrap up. For those still just trying to survive the storms, you don't know if Jesus is really the answer. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Do you know what you're searching for? Because it's not a lifeboat. It's not calmer seas. It's not better ability to swim. None of that stuff has ever worked for any other human before, now, or after you. It's always going to be Jesus. And you are going to continue to drown and drown and drown until you stop and see him right next to you with his hand reached out. It's not me being unkind. It's just your leg's on fire, and I'd love for you to stop feeling that burn. For the rest of us who are clinging to the rock of Christ, storms are still present. Do you know what you're shining for? And are you leaning into your crimson? Are you leaning into your scarlet because that's what people in the world who are looking at your life relate to? Are you owning the fact that sometimes the waves just go over your head and guess what? Your marriage isn't really as perfect as it appears to be. Someone asked me if I like this job. I said sometimes, but a lot of times it's just a strange paradox of me teaching you things in the Bible that I'm still wrestling with and knowing that I haven't overcome myself. But I know who can and I point to him. And I hope from this stage you see enough of my scarlet and my crimson to believe that I'm not trying to pretend like I'm not Kenzie in the picture. I believe that we all are. This is how we shine brightly and offer invitations to others. This is how God is still building his fort of invitation for and through our lives. But none of this happens without the Holy Spirit's guidance, period. It can't just be a message or a song. It has to be you and God discussing. So what I want to do is create a space. I'm going to have the worship team come out. This is how we're going to close the series. And it's a space for you to just fight it out with God. I want you to lift up all your excuses, all your reasons why. If you don't believe in God, then all you got to do is sit there and tell the universe you don't believe. That's fine. God can work with that. If you know there is a God, but you just want to know him more, tell him that. If you're barely clinging on to to the rock and Jesus is holding you tight, tell him that. If you are drowning, tell him that. If you are so apathetic that you don't think there's any waves in your life whatsoever and you're blinded to all the different ways that you are repeating the trauma that you learned from earlier stories, tell him that. If you're confused, tell him that. Just create a space where you can be with him, both invited and then ask him, God, who do you want me to invite? Who do you want me to reach for? Who do you want me to to shine for? Who do you want me to go back into my stormy life, the town that I came from, and be like, hey, this is how I used to be, but now this is how I am. And in that space, ask him. Let him tell you. Let him lay somebody on your heart. Maybe it's a meetup. Maybe it's a fresh start. Maybe it's getting further involved in this community. Maybe it's going to a different church. Maybe it's taking a couple weeks off. Maybe it's getting in the woods. Maybe it's sitting in a park. I don't know. I don't need to know. I just create spaces for him to do what he wants. There are no rules. There is just the wind and you and this God that we serve who's really, really good at finding people lost and in great need being invited into relationship with him. So let's let him do that now, shall we? Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
Lord, this is the close of a series I, I did not see coming. Where relationships are talked about in difficult ways, authentic ways, unhurried ways. I pray, God, that in this room right now, there would just be a sense of curiosity around how it is you want us to expand our influence, where it is you want us to lift up or set down or hold on or let go. May this be the start of a brand new kind of community here at Kesed, in these homes, at these places of work, in these hearts, and in our city. We thank you for using people like us, Lord, for inviting us, even if it's difficult to admit. We lift this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Invite you here now. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Yes. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us and calm down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me calm down. Spirit, when you move, Oh, fire and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates that heaven on end. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Yes, fire and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates that heaven on end. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. And come down. Spirit, where you 
love you so much. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for spending your morning together as a family. We love you. We hope to see you guys next week.